Yo. Okay, fuckers, it's time for Vince McMahon's 1997, the building blocks of Vince McMahon becoming not just the guy who says, too bad you fucking got hurt, you're a subcontractor, but the man that says it on TV as a character, further validating him and putting him down the rabbit hole of becoming... One of the worst men to own a professional organization. My name is Dylan Gott. This is John Hastings talking now. No, no, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome (laughs) to uh, 1997, the year that Vince McMahon starts his climb up the ladder to becoming a billionaire in the uh, shade of Donald Trump, which was very briefly and still claims to be one. Ooh, is he not a millionaire now? Oh, I guess not because of the frickin'... He's um, not a bill... You know, neither one of them are billionaires anymore. Donald Trump probably never actually was, and Vince McMahon definitely was when the stock IPO'd and isn't probably one now because of assets selling things off for the XFL. He definitely won't be at the end of this year because when the dust settles, people are going to come at him. Oh, yeah, man. They still had one of the uh, their highest grossing quarters of all time, even with the coronavirus. And you know what, buddy? The fucking building blocks for that is in this year, baby. I mean, I can't wait for our episode on 2020 because it'll basically... I, I guarantee by year's end, it's going to be like, oh, by the way, they were just a front for uh, Simeon Milokovic, uh, the brainy Don of the Russian Mafia. And Vince McMahon is been found. He committed suicide by being handcuffed and thrown out of a helicopter. Like that's how I feel. <laughs> Vince McMahon's life is going to end now. Is it's just going to be like, oh, you thought it was? You thought that was dark shit in the '90s when Linda was just taking victims for lunch? Well, you don't even fucking know. Well, what we've uncovered basically is, man, we could have done the economics review as a sister podcast <laughs> of this, just because. Vince McMahon really started thriving under Reaganomics, which basically was like, hey, A, we're mo- we moved off the gold standard in the 70s, and B, um, if you have a lot of money, then you can get a lot of loans, even if the mo- a lot of money you have is already just a bunch of loans. Vince McMahon has been fucking living off that shit, with, uh, and because his loans all paid off with Hulk Hogan and the rock and wrestling era, that allows him to take out more loans. And the Attitude Era is born where Vince McMahon moves from guy who's catering to the right wing, uh, the Christian right, where it's, you know, say your prayers, take your vitamins, uh, to the guy who goes <laughs> to the libertarian right, which is uh, road, sh- road signs shouldn't even be a fucking thing. If you know how to drive, you know how to drive. Come yeah. Face. Uh Income tax is illegal, is Vince McMahon's tramp stamp. And uh, 1997 is the year that he buys a bullhorn and starts telling everybody about that. It is the the slow bounce back year against WCW. Um, The networks start to realize that they've got fucking two cash registers on Monday night, and they are using them as ways to get ratings for television shows. Dylan, do you want to explain the La Femme Nikita Robin Hood thing you briefly brought up before we started recording? Well, so... This is Raw goes to two hours. Let me just see when they go to two hours. They go to two hours in February of January 97. And that is because the network wants a strong uh, lead in for La Femme Nikita. And Um, because 
the femme Nikita was suffering in the ratings against TNT's Robin Hood. So it was like a multi-level war between these fucking... I want to look up Robin Hood on TNT because I remember La Femme Nikita because it had the, the plot line of a softcore porn, but it didn't deliver the joke. So, yeah, exactly correct. So La Femme Nikita, the TV show, is based <laughs> off of La Femme Nikita, the movie, uh, directed by the same guy who made Leon the Professional and The Fifth Element, who is a big-time Jerry Lawler-style predator. And all of his Ooh. movies are like, this young woman meets an older man. That's me cool like that's all of his movies or you look back on the hindsight of history and you're just like oh my god this man's history's greatest monster and you're like no way that's true he doesn't work for the wwf (laughs) (laughs) so uh the new adventures of robin hood were definitely something i saw midday on canadian television it was like sundays they would have this block of television that was like xena hercules and then like whatever weird pseudo low budget adventure show oh yeah no the 90s were the classic syndicated weird fantasy shows oh buddy cbs is friday night you got fucking martial law and oh mortal Kombat, the tv show where shang sung was in it legitimately just like a goalie mask <laughs> i don't even remember that one i do oh my god i remember the new adventures of robin hood was for, oh buddy that was for sure on i had no sex that was on global on saturday afternoons and you do not have friends <laughs> yeah and then they eventually just started showing simpsons reruns and they're like wait a minute this is much better it's so funny by the way that even with like netflix and streaming and all that it's still like all right who has the simpsons who has the office who has parks and rec that's all i'm looking for i'm now looking for the mortal Kombat tv series which i do not re- oh my god mortal mortal Kombat conquest look how terrible this is it was like I remember it being one of the first times I laughed out loud unintentionally at television when I saw Shang Tsung's when I saw Shang Tsung's hockey mask where it was like just this guy and I was like is that like I just want to point out by the way Shang Tsung of course was played by a man named Bruce <laughs> Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Th- this guy actually pronounces it Pad Thai yeah, Raiden is a very white man. There is only one Asian person on That's the show. Very Bruce Locke stuff. is, as it turns out, Asian. I was just going based on name. That's very discriminatory of me, and I apologize. Uh, but I guarantee all the network executives are like, yeah, we can't have someone from China. We need a guy named Bruce. <laughs> uh, the, fact the, the, the fact that this guy is pretty com- familiar with a dish called pho makes everyone at the network very uncomfortable so yeah. we're gonna uh, excuse me here. was he on the television show arliss he was white enough for us here at the tnt network Ooh, yeah arliss now there's a fucking tv show you can set your goddamn <laughs> goddamn watch right to. remember hbo pre-sopranos all of the shows were just a, he, he's a guy who does a thing and he's kind of a jerk that was Ooh. every hbo show before the sopranos is just like he's a jerky jerk who's a jerk and don't worry because he's a dumb dumb oh this guy's this guy bought a bunch of uh too much food and he threw most of it no out. jimmy Priestley was in this show was in uh anyway let's let's stop talking about mortal Kombat <laughs> and let's talk about the mortal Kombat of real life professional wrestling of course january we always start every year with a fun royal rumble they this was the alamo dome royal rumble attendance was 
six, just over 60,000. We're not going to list the WWF attendance figures anymore. Just over 60,000. According to Jim Cornette, uh, 400, sorry, 47,500 were paid and about uh, 12,500 were uh, papered. They earned about, oh, just under half a million dollars and 125,000 went to stadium rent. The buy rate was $244,000, down 16000 from the previous year. So pretty much being level, but you can... Yep. Oh, I was going to say, you can see that they're starting to get into it because here are the matches. We got Hunter Ears Helmsley wins the IC title. Um, we have the Nation of Domination with Clarence Mason. Um, and they've already done that next thing where they put crush in it. So it wasn't in, and PG 13. So it wasn't exactly a, a nation of Islam. Oh, off, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, this is when he gets really into stables. We're going to see Los And of course, disciples of the apocalypse. Again, the thing. Oh yeah. Remember, race this, war. Of course. This is, it's going to be a race war Monday night. Raw. <laughs> the whites will win. Vince, you can't say that. That part okay well then delete it it's live ah, okay, Good. I'll say it <laughs> uh, the thing to also remember is this is definitely a combination of uh, non-traditional WWF thinking ie Jim Ross is definitely got uh, a bit of the wheel of the ship but Vince McMahon is still making a lot of decisions in that there is a variety of luchadors brought in uh, to cater to the San Antonio crowd and try and spike the Latins which is so something so funny where Vince does this later. We get to talk about basically when Rey Mysterio debuts in the WWF where he's like, uh, Rey Mysterio has the top selling merch, but he just doesn't fit what Vince McMahon wants. So he just doesn't fucking push him. It's like they want a guy to pop the Latin market, which Rey Mysterio does. And he also, of course, uh, is great for little kids because they literally have a superhero that's their size. So they can put themselves like, I could beat up the big show. I just have to learn how to flip. Yeah. But... Of course, uh, he has two things wrong with him. One is his name. The other is his height. Get the hell out of here, Rey Mysterio. So you're going to lose to Batista. You can you can also see that Vince is so excited about Dominic Mysterio because Dominic looks like he's going to yeah. he's taller. And like Vince is finally fucking well, Alberto Del Rio as well. Like, he's been trying to get the Latin market for a while. He tried Alberto Del Rio. How'd that work out for him? It did not work out well. Alberto Alberto Del Rio was great as the Latin JBL, but then once he got into being, hey, <laughs> I took your top female star and got her addicted to a drug that mainstream media hasn't even named yet, he got back. Yeah, basically, Alberto Del Rio was one of those guys where you could tell that everyone in the know that wasn't Vince McMahon was like, we shouldn't push this guy. And it's like, why? And it's like, because I have talked to him and what he thinks are jokes are Gene Okerlund style crimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know, we know some people who talk about drugs, but there's another type of thing where you do drugs in an airport when you're about to get on a plane. Yeah. And that is Alberto Alberto Del Rio is the kind of guy that he, like, he, he gets angry at you because you're like, hey, man, I'm not going to do blow. What do you fucking think I am? Some sort of bitch? <laughs> you're doing it with yeah. me. We are a team now. We are a team. Yeah, you agreed. He's one of those guys that uses <laughs> he uses cities as excuses for behavior. Something that happened a lot to uh, to me in comedy. That's really funny. But we're in Kingston. Yeah, and especially when it's not like a city that has a particularly good party scene. Come on, man! You only go to Sault Ste. Marie a couple times in your life. Yeah, man. 
Ugh, gross. Um, this Royal Rumble was the ending was. That being said, if you say fire, if you if you if you want me to do something dumb, you just have to say you have fireworks and a place to set them I mean, off. And can I'll we please tell thing. the story of you and two comedians that we won't name? Uh, you were driving to a gig. You bought fireworks and beer. One of them is looking out at a mountain and says, uh, "Wouldn't it be nice to?" Oh yeah, because he had just gone through a divorce, and he said, "I'd like to." This is this is a redeeming Graham K uh, story where. We had just bought a bunch of fireworks, and this guy was looking at a mountain and said, man, he'd just gotten divorced, and man, I'd like to jump off that mountain. And then Graham Kay uh, with a bunch of fireworks in his arms, which he could have put them in the trunk, but he was like a little kid. He was so happy with the fireworks, said, shut the fuck up and stop being a fucking loser. You're ruining this for me. And I also had like bought my body weight in whiskey in the backyard. I I was like, didn't you guys have an unreasonable amount of beer as well? Oh, yeah, of course. We had a bunch of booze, and he was just like, we were like, yeah, you got divorced. You drink through it so you don't feel anything. And he's like, actually, I'm really going to reflect on my divorce. No, we're we're shooting up. Boof, (laughs) fireworks, and a bunch of whiskey that was on sale. That's how you deal with problems. Also, I'm going to say this. Whiskey is not something that should be on sale. It's it's like ammunition. That should always be full I don't know. I, w- I wasn't going to buy a submachine gun. Then it was it was 30 bucks. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, the brown liquors, as we've said, uh, as, I've, as I've told people are, they're a thing where if you're having a good day, go for it. If you're having a bad day, maybe just go yeah, to sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As, uh, as yeah. Roy Wood Jr. said on a uh, on his comedy special, he always stick to clear liquor. If you're talking to the cops and you've been drinking clear li- liquor, you're given a statement. If you've drank dark liquor, someone's giving a statement about you. <laughs> so let's talk about this. Stone Cold Steven Whee! wins the Royal Rumble. Um, he's eliminated by Bret Hart, comes back in, wins the Royal Rumble. And of course, the WWF just doesn't... They, they call it in the ring, baby. If it if the official didn't see anything wrong with it, then it can't be overturned by the commission is the official thing that they probably didn't say because I don't remember the specifics. No, they but actually, Stone Cold they, Steven, they did a, do a, a whole thing with this and Stone Cold Steven uh, wins it because Vince Russo as Vic Venom on Livewire announced that Bret Hart was going to win. Then Vince McMahon was like, yep. what the fuck are you doing? And he's like, no, it's just predictable booking. No one told me that. I guarantee someone told Vince Russo that and he was just trying to cover his ass. There is no way he's that smart to make that point. Um, mm-hmm. this is by the way, inadvertent, brilliant booking. It was cause I remember it happening and there had been enough schmozzy Royal Rumble endings to that point where you weren't that surprised, but Brett's reaction is so weaselly yet totally justified where he's like, what the fuck? I won. This guy's getting cheered and he fucking cheated. Fuck you. I'm out of here. And it sets this, it plants the seeds for, Brett's heel turn later in the year and the best few months of WWE programming, in my opinion, ever, because they do a bunch of impossible things. Yeah. And and Vince lets all of this happen. This is a key of Vince is, has his best brain trust he's ever had in Patterson, Briscoe, Cornette, Russo, uh, Russo and Ross. All of those guys um, are exceptionally good at booking wrestling vince mcmahon is exceptionally good at promoting wrestling and they're all working in perfect congress in this moment to take the power back in the industry and then jerry graham dies and vince goes into a dark place because it's the only wrestler that vince ever liked and you know this because a lot of people have commented that vince was sad and bear in mind andre died and he was like that's a shame jerry graham died a guy that was nice to him as a kid and he was like that was my real daddy well, for sure. He's like, this guy, uh, my dad 
my dad focused on the part where he was my dad and taught me things, blah, blah, blah. Jerry Graham was the guy that was like, here's how you live life. And I was like, YOLO. Here's what you do. You ride around in a big fucking car and you do all the fucking clear drugs. You know what I mean? The stuff you can snort, fine. You're injecting it, stay away. And Vince is like, thanks, daddy. (laughs) If you inject it, it's for your arms. If you fucking snort it, it's for your fun. All right, now rub your mushroom tip in both of them. Thanks to Dylan Gott's need to jack off in the year 1997 sunny becomes the most downloaded person on america online this is interesting because this is 1997 sunny and bret hart are two people that are skirted over with their their really um influence on the attitude era because sunny no one talks about this (laughs) i shouldn't say no one only nerds talk about this is that Sonny literally when they talk about how Sable oh my god Sable the attitude era blah 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 Sable had just did bikini contest which they start in 97 but Sonny literally had a interview segment that was on a bed yeah so it was like in the realm of things they had done on wrestling like it's kind of like they have a like Jim Cornette booked it Sonny on a bed doing an interview segment because Jim Cornette was like, all right, well, if you're going to do sexy, you're going to do this sex bullshit, fucking this girl is amazing as a They, of course, edited it, by the way, because the way... Sorry, not a promoter. The way that Jim Cornette booked it was she was on a bed and he was in the corner and there was... And he was supposed to be interviewed, (laughs) but then someone else was being interviewed and he was just listening to the interview. Yeah, and he was dressed as a baby. Yeah, he was he was in a full diaper, and the diaper's dirty. Someone change. Yeah, and then he he had timed it, so he ate a bunch of like clams. He, he knew it yeah, was he, off. Yeah, he, he ate a bunch of raw. Yeah. He knew the meat was go- he knew the meat was off, and then he shits his pants, and he goes, "Would you fucking wrap this up for me, someone? But actually, don't do it. I want to sit in my own shit. I need to stew in my dung." <laughs> I'm soaking in my backdoor gravy, fucking can. <laughs> Shawn Michaels uh, loses his smile oh, shortly after yeah, this. Uh, Jim, uh, Shawn Michaels loses his need to wrestle in the springtime and wants to go home and do cocaine. Hi, hi, hi. I hi, still hi, think hi. it was him being like, this was a, a, a lost my smile, which, which is 1997 code for I'm checking into rehab because I do more blow than I drink water. Yeah. Whatever he did, it, it was not he lost his smile. He was fucked up. Like, he's... Look at his face. Oh, yeah. He has... Like, there's a... Like there, I have a photo of a friend of mine who, after a heavy night of drinking, he looks like a pug, and Shawn Michaels looks like a pug in that... Like, he looks like he just woke up... He just had a ditch nap and realized he agreed to be in a thruple <laughs> with two people he doesn't know, and he's like, I gotta fucking sort my life out. <laughs> But he just kept on kept things kept on happening like the the fight with the Marines, which I don't know the exact timing of, but that's certainly not good. He's angry because all his friends are gone. Like think about that, all his friends are gone. Well, and also he had no plan to be the champion. This is something Brett points out, which is Brett always was like, "You can give me this guy to work with. You can give me that guy to work with." Sean was like, "I just want to wrestle Triple H," and Vince weirdly was like. He believed Sean could be the champion, but then when he was the champion, Vince was like, "You're not wrestling this mid Carter guy yet. Like that, he's he'll be ready one day. Now is not the time." And it always created this impasse. Um, and again, this is the the overarching 
thing of this year is Vince McMahon really stays out of the way for the first time. You can see him promoting certain things. You could see him setting up certain things, but mostly it's he's out of the way of the booking. That's why this is such a unique year. And look how fresh and look how interesting the storylines are because it's Jim Ross, it's Pat Patterson, it's Jim Cornette, and let's be honest, Vince Russo, at the only time Vince Russo was useful, which was right now pointing out that things were stale, was great, and they're having to listen to wrestlers because they can't well, sign anyone. So in March, they signed China, someone who I guarantee Vince McMahon made fun of to her face and never thought he would make a lot of money off of her being in Playboy. Boy, was he wrong. Boy, do I wish that China had never debuted in the WWF or she would still be alive. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. I think China had some pretty clear sure, issues. Sure, like- but those were exacerbated by, like, um, you know, you can have issues and she probably would have drank too much in her job as, like, owning a gym. But like she's in, yeah she's she at, she was vinegar and then wrestling was the baking soda yeah exactly never use that scientific of a reference again on the program for the mm. love of God yeah the 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 only thing about science I know the only thing about science so I are know. you saying that she was Diet Pepsi and that Vince McMahon a- mm. added the Mentos. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty much it, actually, because that's a really good thing, because those are both bad for you, but together they are fun. Um, so, yeah, and Michael's... I, sorry, uh, I want to talk more about Vince, which is, this is the thing I think that helps him stay out of the way, is that Vince McMahon is, live, is realizing a lifelong dream here, something that his father didn't want him to do, and that is, he is an on-screen character. Yes. Because Vince McMahon, uh, fi- he's being referenced as the guy who's in control of the WWF. And the first time they really do this is that ECW invasion where Jerry Lawler uh, has the debate with Paul Heyman on television. Heyman and Lawler are going back and forth. It leads to the, I think, one of the cooler nights in ECW history where Lawler invades ECW and gives that great promo. Um, this place must be. This is the world famous ECW Rhea. Looks like it's made out of toilet paper because the only thing inside it is shit. Which is, and for what you ever want to say about fucking like Jerry Lawler is a deplorable man, but good fucking lord, does he make that fucking work? Because a he's an old guard guy, so it's pissing off the ECW fans, and he's a and he's a WWF guy, so he has both of those links. And the third thing is the thing that really riles Jerry Lawler up, and I guarantee there's no way he could fucking say this is he was the developmental territory in the WWF. ECW has now taken that from him, and ECW is a thriving territory and he used yeah. to be so there's a lot of jealousy also here. this I, you cannot find this anywhere but there's two run-ins there's the run-in that, that is that one and then there's the second one where it's jerry lawler and then it's G- and, jim, and cornette. jim cornette and that one has been described as people went fucking crazy. like people literally were like okay the time before i was upset now i'm going to murder someone and paulie to his fucking like thing and guarantee Guarantee Vince is looking at Paul Heyman and thinking, okay, these guys, these guys are shitty. Why are they doing better than me with much, with no resources, with just this arena? But they're like doing really well. And A, they were using the internet, which 
let's be honest, Vince McMahon did a lot better than WCW because they were always promoting this person is number one in America Online. They had a deal with America Online. You could join. You could do. He would do online chats with where you could just ask him where smart marks could ask him whatever they wanted at the time in like the mid '90s when the alt right is just is just an idea in the Attitude Era. Yeah, when the alt right just really cared about the Legion of Doom. And didn't think that that was health care. Dude, yeah. When I saw this, when we recorded our Adrian Street episode, I was watching Adrian Street clips, and my thought was, like, honestly, like, oh, this was what Flat Earthers were before Flat Earthers. It was just, it was just yelling at Adrian Street. And then they were like, wrestling's fake? Well, I know what's real. The Earth is flat. And then they moved on. Kayfabe destroyed breaking kayfabe destroyed political discourse in many ways a dylan god well, the thing that's very important to remember and i've said this before is that the internet what's the most important thing john everyone's like the internet's made people more hateful no the internet has made us aware of how hateful people are and i know that because i just remember elementary school and the things that those people thought all of them now are on my social media and all of them are saying things like uh say what you will but uh this trump is handling the coronavirus properly Mm. <laughs> oh, fuck off. All of those are written by Dylan, by the way. Now, what's again important? Ooh, let's talk about WrestleMania, March 23rd, of course. Uh, Rosemont Horizon. The only thing that happens there that's important is Colt Cabana makes his WWF debut. Really? Yeah, you can see him throw a punch at Hawk during the Legion of Doom Ahmed Johnson v. Uh, Nation of Domination Chicago Street Fight match. <laughs> really? 100%. YouTube it. It's fucking ridiculous. That was at Royal Rumble. No, that was at WrestleMania. Oh, Ahmed Johnson beats Farouk. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Because Ahmed Johnson uh, Ahmed Johnson beats Farouk and the Rosemont Hart. This is still big, yeah, yeah. big push Ahmed Johnson before they're like, this guy keeps murdering everybody. We got to get rid of him and for some reason keep him under contract for two more years. I mean, Ahmed Johnson was cool and we'll say this, Ahmed Johnson was the closest they got to having a... Uh, a black heavyweight champion before Kofi Kingston, which is crazy. I mean, that's the saddest thing I've ever heard in my entire life and 100% accurate. But, like, they were putting the super push behind Ahmed Johnson oh, and clearly yeah. wanted him to be the champion. And then The Rock just landed in their fucking lap. Bobby but, Lashley they could have also put as a champion, but for some reason Vince then, like, decided not to. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, Bobby Lashley was super, super green, and the one thing that online wrestling fans has done to Vince McMahon is he will second-guess himself up against the most hard of hardcore fans because he gets all this backlash because of the internet. It's really weird how the internet has changed professional wrestling because you can't... it. The internet has completely, and Vince McMahon is totally implicit in this, like, recognizing the online wrestling fan has kind of cut the wrestling off from ever being really really mainstream again it is just like star trek with three times as many yeah it's star trek with way more virgins watching it (laughs) no sexually experienced yeah uh none Star Trek for absolute incels of course this wrestlemania is whatever for incels uh the Undertaker beats Psycho Sid, who shit his pants, and then he took Oh, the him. best. The uh, that best. may have not happened. No. But I will choose that it did. I pray to God that it happened. <laughs> I want to live in a world where Sid Vicious shit oh, his pants in the so Undertaker. so good. Like, it's... Oh, no. Yeah. 
And then he was just, oh man, it's not the era, but I do wish he would just whisper the American Badass theme song to get, I'm an American I guarantee that's how Kid Rock wrote it, is he ran into Mark Calloway at an airport right after this, and he was like, are you okay, Mark? They know each other, by the way. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, experienced some badass yesterday, and it was from America. (laughs) (laughs) In America? And he was like, whoa, that'll be the single to my second album. And he said, what? And he said, sorry. Yeah, and then Brett was just in the corner, and he, oh, I I saw all of that in the Nexus. I got to go, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, hey. Oh, yeah. Hey, uh, I'm gonna go uh, piss on a flight attendant uh, in the. Hey, uh, just gonna let you know that we, I, uh, on September 11th in 2001, none of you guys get on a plane. Don't ask me why. <laughs> so, uh, Psycho Sid pooped his pants too bad, and that's why he lost. Which I, which should have been the angle. Is like, you wouldn't have beat me if I didn't shit my pants. <laughs> I'm, I mean, um, isn't it insane that the top level match for the biggest belt in the world? And we can we could have a we could debate for the rest of the episode whether or not former champion Sid Justice Yudi shit his trousers. <laughs> the big match, of course, on that card. You want to say is Bret Hart no. and Stone Cold Steve no, Austin. No, that's not the big match. For, big match for me is Rocky Maya via the Sultan, baby. The Sultan. Because yeah, if true. little did you know that those are going to be two of the biggest stars of the Attitude Era, just having a weird match with Bob Backlund for some reason. The Sultan, um, who of course later ran over someone for The Rock, he did it for The Rock. For the Rock, yeah. Um, the Rock's an interesting guy. I'm really excited talking about him during the Attitude Era because he is amazing. But he does murder Rikishi and Billy Gunn in their tracks. Like he murders them. Like Rikishi could have gotten away with maybe being a top guy, but he just fucking clowned him so well, hard that he. The just thing had with him. The Rock is The Rock is, if anything, he's an athlete. He's he's like a nice guy athlete, but he's still an athlete. And so it's all about like I'm a I'm number one. Like Rock's not going to fuck your girlfriend, but if you break up with your girlfriend, he is fucking that girl. I I just mean more like the character. The character is like, and then that character becomes the basis for every character in the ruthless aggression era, where it's like the the Rock was at least good at taking someone else down and then putting himself up, but then he just transfers those that baby face to triple h who's bad at it and still but does. the thing with that again is the ruth aggression era is vince mcmahon attempting to replicate the attitude era without his he's the general he has none of his colonels and sergeants that make the attitude era which is jim ross pat patterson go and see the rock train they show the clips to vince mcmahon and jim Cornette. jim Cornette immediately says you need to fucking protect this guy he's going to be your champion in five years jim ross takes him for lunch and signs him right there because every man and woman in the restaurant just can't stop looking at him. Um, and I guarantee Vince would have... Vince then gets a hold of him and puts him in the blue chipper gimmick. And then because it's the Attitude Era and it's Jim Ross, Jim Ross goes, I'm a coach. You're not doing well with the plays that you're being given. You need to write your own. And we get the Rock character that blossoms over the next couple of years. That being said, Vince Russo, which I did want to talk about this earlier when you talked about these great minds that were around during this time Cornette, patterson and russo jim vince russo there's a thing uh for those of you in who may not know this there's i don't want to speak down to anybody but for people who don't know this when sometimes when a script is good like the story works they'll have people to come in and make it funnier when it's a comedy show and punch up. people punch up yeah and that's what vince russo is where it's like oh the story 
is good, but like it's not really interesting. And then Vince Russo goes like, "Okay, bro, how about this? They're in space, and then everyone's in a mankini. That's something I invented, bro. Where you cover your shaft, but now you're nuts, bro. You're a hundred percent. Well, that's a bad you're idea. You're a hundred percent right, and, then, and that's why Vince Russo working with these guys works. He's always portrayed as like he had the idea, and Vince McMahon was the editor. It's more like Vince Russo was given an idea, and then he added something on top of it and made it that much better. So. In May, we get um, the there was a planned lingerie battle royal, but it's just whittled down to a bikini contest, which is important because that's essentially like in the lineage of the WWF making money. It's like this bikini contest is sits where the three way dance does in ECW, uh, where it's like this is a harbinger of things to come. We're going to be covering this type of stuff more and more because. I think these type of segments, as much as everyone wants to skirt over and just talk about how amazing this Brett Austin feud was, the uh, the boo-boos and the bum-bums that they would show to teenagers and get the teenagers to jack off uh, were just Absolutely. as important. It was, the, it was the, the full Austin. late 90s package. This man's going to bleed, and then that lady's going to show you where milk comes out of. Ooh, all the food groups, all the teenagers said. um so in similar vein of course we're still getting the um and again we don't need to go in depth on the brett the brett austin match it's spectacular and it's again it's only a match it's a match who we didn't go in depth at all you said the sultan versus rocket maya was was. better and then we just started talking about uh i just want to double back to it for (laughs) one second Double back, back it up. Beep, beep, beep. Go, John. Like that match, the way it was structured, the way it was done, would not have happened if Vince McMahon hadn't been so panicked about WCW, let go of control, put Jim Ross in uh, control, who then probably sat in a room with Brett, and Brett, like, for about an hour, Brett just, ta- make, just like, showed him weird Polaroids of doorways and other houses. He's like, a woman I've slept with lives here. I went back there and took a photo of her door. <laughs> Steve Austin had eight beers, and then at the end of it, Jim Ross just went, Now, listen, boys, I just want you to do whatever you need to do. Now, Brett, leave them Polaroids there, all right? I'm going to have a slobber knocker on my donger, dong, 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 dong. Oh, hey, everybody, I wear a cowboy hat when I take a shit, because that's when I feel like I'm riding a bull. <laughs> you guys. I pretend to be friends with Jerry Lawler on screen, off screen. I sit far away from him because he smells like a playpen. <laughs> but this is inter- this is totally correct where you got these great southern wrestling minds and then just a flat out I don't even know what pro wrestling is psycho and Vince Russo so you get like a v- great base and then Vince will listen to these guys because it is above all things starting to work and the thing he understands about wrestling uh sorry the ind- thing he understands is basically Vince Russo going okay bro tits and then swearing and then vince is like yeah that makes sense everyone loves tits and swearing and then he um and then you get jim ross and jim Cornette who are have that strong base of southern wrestling which above all else that's what this submission match is austin gets color turns face brett turns heel because he's so it's justifiable he's so fucking mad at this guy he won't let it go and then he runs into shamrock uh, who Brett thought because of how hot his shorts looked on him was a woman, tried to bone him, did bone him. The world's most dangerous sex happened. Exactly, it was. They, they made a beautiful consensual love and dislocated each other's shoulders. 
Oh, yeah, they dislocated each other's shoulders first and then fucked like fucking uh, Hey, do you want to dislocate each other's shoulders and then fuck each other so hard they locate back into the sockets? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I uh, do. Yeah, yeah. You know, I uh, I slept in a car one time in California. My name's Ken. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to go fight my dad. That's my Ken Shamrock impression. <laughs> you want to fucking go? I'm gonna fight my fucking dad. My dad adopted me. You know what he, you know what my birthdays are like? I fucking beat the shit out of him. You know what my cake is? I fucking beat the shit out of Frank. That's my cake. I need a party. You know what a party is to me? I fucking fought my dad. Fuck you. Yeah, I don't like now. Uh, I I don't like my birthday because I was near a vagina and then they took me away from a vagina. Ah, I went to a strip club. It's fun because the bouncers are harder to fight. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> ah. <laughs> He's getting in the zone. Oh. Hey, uh, if you're angry that I'm uh, cheating on you, I did it with a man just to really drive home my uh, don't love you. Ah, and then I fucking beat the shit out of him. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> This is a lot to take, Brett. Uh, that's what I said to kids. Who's that third voice? <laughs> that's his wife. <laughs> I thought it was Owen. Uh, this is a lot. Of- <laughs> I thought that was Owen. It's <laughs> a lot. Of- <laughs> I mean, the the Ken Shamrock impression does sound a lot like Owen. To be fair, so this is all right. I want to talk about this. I don't think this gets talked about enough, and that is, of course, the fallacy we've been living in—that the world is round. No, um, June. 1997, one of the most important decisions Vince McMahon... (laughs) (laughs) One of the most important decisions Vince McMahon ever makes, which is he has buyer's remorse on the crazy contract he signs Bret Hart to and basically goes, this place is going nuts. Bret Hart, for as great a wrestler as he is, will never accept being less than a world champion. Yep. So... It's impossible for me to make this guy a world champion, given that this product is moving so much towards just promos right now. I need to fucking get rid of this guy, and he goes back on it. He sees, basically, he's got a shitty bill of goods because Brett is near the end of his career as well. Let's not talk... Let's talk about that, too, that the fact that Bret Hart, for all, for as great as he is, um, he's got, like... I mean, even before the Goldberg concussion, dude, this guy had like probably five years left. Like he's as old as Hulk Hogan almost. A hundred percent. I would say that Brett probably had the Goldberg injury. Like, bear in mind, he is two years away from the end of his career at this point because Goldberg kicks him in the head and he's done. Um, but he doesn't know that at this time. I think that it was also the fact that him and Sean have gone from being on-screen rivals to full-on Dylan, jo- Dylan got John Hastings type enemies, where if they are mm. in the same room as each other, there's going to be a fight and Dylan's hair is getting ripped out. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a bunch of fucking hair pulling, which is one of the funniest thing where they're like, yeah, and then Brett kicked the shit out of Sean, and then other people, other people, like, they pulled each other's hair. Yeah, they pulled each other's hair. Like, Gerald Briscoe, I guarantee, was like, they had a fight? All right, which one of them's dead? It better be fucking both of them, or one of them's fired. The living one is fired. <laughs> the dead one gets to be intercontinental champion for life, which is no time because he's already dead. I made a joke. Someone call my brother. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Someone call my brother and tell him to beat me up. Yeah, I'm, I've got out of control and overexerted. Someone call my brother to beat me up. But this is the thing where Brett is a 
but probably easier to work with than Sean just because they have the same ego, but Brett goes about it in a way more balanced way and in a way that you can manipulate better because he likes weed and not coke. I don't even think Brett likes... I think Brett doesn't even smoke weed because he's just like, if I smoke weed, then I won't remember to tell people about all my accomplishments. Well, I'll say this. Bret Hart, as known by me, and uh, he's a titanic weed smoker. Like, he's a he's a titan of smoking weed. Yeah, Dylan knows this because there was a web series involving Bret Hart filmed in Toronto, and Dylan smoked a lot of weed with Bret Hart, and they for sure cheated on each other's wives with each other. They broke each other. Yeah. Bro- I then cheated on my then-girlfriend with Bret Hart. Well, he just, every time he enters you, he tells you about another accomplishment. Uh, I, I was really good at spelling, but they didn't let me enter the spelling bee in school because... Yeah, he runs out of awards pretty quickly, so they're really clunky. Yeah. Have you ever seen me mow a lawn, Dylan? I'm very good at it. Guy raced me to the bus in grade six. I beat him. Yeah. Do you want to know? I one time was allowed to drive the Calgary tram. <laughs> it's, it's odd thing. Stubied up a bus driver, so he let me drive the bus. Hey, one time I was at a grocery store, and a woman complimented me on how fresh the grapes I selected were. So, Sean, all right, we, t- we should talk about um, King of the Ring takes place uh, June 8th, just under 10,000 people. Michaels beats Austin in a singles match. Uh, and that should have been um, Sean Brett, but they couldn't have it because yeah. of the hair pulling fight. By the way, during the hair pulling fight, Sean claimed to be driving to Nitro, and apparently Vince got very concerned about that. Little did he fucking know. Sean, by the way, would never actually entertain any offers with WCW. More than likely, it's because Eric Bischoff had moles in the WWF, and this has never been said outright because of Sean's sterling relationship with the WWE, but I guarantee Eric was just like. I got enough cokeheads. I think John Michaels would have been a big get, but I don't think he he would have added something. He would have added a lot to the NWO in '96. There is, but n- in '97 they've got their they've got enough. There's also no way Hogan's letting Shawn Michaels uh, Michaels come in. No way. Yeah, they've got their team. It's kind of like if you're building a basketball team, you don't need five stars. You need a couple stars and a, and a bunch of role players. Yeah, They've got their stars. Yeah, we've got our stars, and now I need an Australian and a Ukrainian and a very fat general manager to some reason blame it all in during a documentary that really didn't need an antagonist, and yet we're going to include one. <laughs> yeah, and where we're gonna we're gonna shit talk this dead man. Yeah, we're gonna shit talk this very good businessman who just did us all very well. Hmm. So. Yeah, this is because of, of course, the hair-pulling fight. Um, the Undertaker is the WWF champion right now, which is a very large sign that the WWF is not doing well. Yeah. Because whenever Undertaker is the champion, it's like exactly like Tommy Dreamer being the ECW champion. That means the guy who won't leave has the fucking belt. To be fair, though, Stone Cold Steve Austin is on the uptick here, and it is... Anytime anyone complains about, oh, this guy's this guy's got a lot of heat behind him and he's like the fans are really liking him, why is he jobbing? Look at Stone Cold Steve Austin during this period where it's like his character is great and he's still beating the shit out of people backstage, but he is like losing a lot. Yeah, he is. And it's also the other factor that they have that's never brought up in the Attitude Era is this is also the Mankind like sort of Mankind comes in, yeah. is great, has that great sort of run with Sean, and this is just Mankind just putting on fucking great matches with everyone they give him. Main one being, now let's bring it back to King of the Ring, 
Hunter Hearst Helmsley becomes the king of the ring. He beats Mankind to do it. They basically have a program for the rest of the summer that builds up both of them because Hunter Hearst Helmsley has to be more vicious, which sets up him being in DX. It also gives Mankind some sensitivity because it's like, this poor fucking guy is getting the shit kicked out of him and he comes back for more. It also, this is the when they do, this is again when they're listening to other people going, we need to make this more real. Vince Russo, brilliantly. You have the interview segment with Mankind and Jim Ross that leads to de- uh, Dude Love debuting um, and Mick Foley having one, a, a character that in the hands of anyone else, everyone would say is stupid, but is so fondly remember of it's like, yeah, he's three guys. He's He's got a lot of concussions. This is fun. Yeah, the weird thing is that they turn Stone Cold and Mankind in a lot in the same way, where it's like, look at these guys get the fucking shit kicked out of us, out of them. They're still unchanged. You know what I mean? Their characters are unchanged, even though they're and, murdered. And then you meet them and you're like, oh no, they were changed. Yeah. Okay, we should stop talking and talk about August in SummerSlam after a break we take to promote our own fucking bullshit. Hey, it's been 45 minutes of fucking hot talk. Come back after the break for more hot talk. After Ooh. after the break, I'm not going to be wearing a shirt or trousers. I've been shirt cocking at this entire first half. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to take any clothes off, but I'm just going to unzip and pull my weenie out through the zipper. Like you're about to pee? Mm. Mm, yeah, I'm going to be urinal cocked. That's what mm. they call it. Hope you piss on your balls. Or urinal, if you're British. Improved accents, up next, after the break. Let's get it right this time, because Dylan real screwed up the last one. Ladies and gentlemen, come see us at the Dorchester Country Club in Dorchester, Ontario. Tickets are $25, then the available on brownpapertickets.com. You can find the link somewhere. Dylan, talk now. Oh, go click into the uh, info part of this episode, brownpapertickets.com, Dorchester, Ontario. I don't really fucking know where it is, but there's a dinner and show option for 50 bones, and then there's $25 for just the show. Please fucking come. We get to do stand-up again. We really, really like it. Come to the show, lie down on a couch, and we'll make out immediately afterwards. All tongue, no lips. Ooh, (laughs) yeah. Yay, Dylan. (laughs) What a fucking thing. We got to jump right in here. We got SummerSlam. I genuinely forgot the Montreal Screwjob was this year. Like, I literally was just like, man, we got not that much less to cover. And I'm like, oh, wait a fucking second. Shit. What the fucking... What are we going to say about the Montreal Screwjob that hasn't been said? I mean, we, we talk about it from Vince McMahon's perspective. It's very rare. It's usually discussed from Brett and Sean's perspective. And it's very rarely discussed... That this guy basically back this, this again, as you pointed out, he realizes the contract he's got with Brett, this twenty year contract, he financially can't uphold. I don't. I disagree with you. What he looks at it from Brett, he's looking at the action. This is the first time in a long time he's financially accountable. Linda's in the books. Is it the, another way of putting this? And she has sat him down and been like, "Now, Vince, dear, here's the thing: if you uphold this contract, we're not paying anyone else." Also. The level at which he was compensating Brett under that contract would mean that everyone else's money has to go up. Undertaker, Sean, the rising stars he now has, he can't do it. He's got to fucking figure something else out. Releasing Brett from that contract and Brett goes across the street, starts negotiating with WCW, really sets up the summer. We've got the Hart Foundation led by Brett Hart. They are big, they are big stars in Canada, heels in America. This is the best thing that they can do because, again, they are... 
still smaller time than WCW in America, Canada, they are still the bigger stars. By having heels that are hated in America, loved in Canada, really plays into Canada, especially because in Canada, there no one talked about Canada, not even on fucking hockey, as much as they did in this summer for Canadians. And I say that as someone who was a fucking Canadian watching this, being like, holy shit, they're talking about Ottawa like they and they went to everywhere in Canada over the summer to really hype this whole thing. Like it was so well done. It really playing into what it was, where you're saying World Wrestling Federation, World Championship Wrestling. This was not that. It was there was a line. I the line is probably I don't know. I don't even know enough about American geography. But if you look over where they played, there's a line, and the WCW is a southern promotion. And they never did this, but it certainly does include Mexico because they had luchadors in WCW. And obviously, the WWF attempted to have luchadors for a hot couple seconds. Like, they played places in the south as the WCW played places in the north. But mostly, it's northern versus southern. Canada and uh, the northern states versus the southern states and Mexico. The thing that I think, obviously because the WWF is more accountable for their own finances is the WCW never went into Mexico at all to actually do a show. Whereas Canada had to, or sorry, WWF had to go into Canada. And by the way, they were supposed to go to Mexico. They were supposed to go to Japan, which is why you saw a lot less of those wrestlers as the company progressed. Cause what's weird is it's a relatively short amount of time in the grand scheme of things. And WCW was supposed to do shows in both of those places and then never did because they were like, we could do that or we could make a shitload of money in Georgia, so fuck you, which was actually a bad idea because they could have then honored those agreements when they needed other places to go later on, but they didn't, so they got fucked in the butt. <laughs> now that is analysis. Yeah. Analysis. Welcome to John Hastings. Sums shit up. You got pooned in the pooner, pud. You just got pooned in your dirt hole, John Hastings. Hope you bring a so, bring a shovel because you've got mud on your helmet. <laughs> August third, SummerSlam, the first uptick of 1997. Buy rate is up to 235,000 from uh, that's up 78,000 from the previous year. This event also broke the one-day record for merchandise sales with an average of $10 per head being spent on merchandise. Now, we get, of course, this is the only thing I'm going to cover about SummerSlam. Nothing else happened of any note. Los Boricuas beat the DOA. Los Boricuas, the most underrated stable in WWF history. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Owen Hart also wrestled. Nothing, nothing happened. Nothing happened in there. They're, they're, nothing shaped either men's careers. Uh, nothing happened that resulted in, even though Owen died tragically, Vince or uh, Steve Austin being such a wrestler that he's like, yeah, I know he shouldn't have died that way, but let me tell you something, you're supposed to apologize after you nearly crippled Texan. He didn't apologize to me properly, and we're going to have a problem. Oh, let me just tell you one thing. I'm the one who replaced the, uh, the, sewing, the sailing clip. Deborah gave me the idea, and I said, I want to get you up there, Deborah, and kill you too. Ha, 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 Austin 316, give me, oh, yeah. Austin 316 says I just cried in the toilet. Austin 316 says I don't even can drink anymore. I got a little bra. I got diabetes. Does that have bread in it? How many carbs are in that? I'm getting older. That's bad. Anyway, 
Austin alters his style, which is, I think this is really interesting because this is a blessing in disguise for Stone Cold Steve Austin because the entire of Raw becomes the Stone Cold Steve Austin show, by which I mean, it's not that Austin's going to wrestle every week. It's when is Austin showing up to fuck up this entire show? Yeah, and it's the best because of this injury because it's basically like he's not supposed to be on television. They've banned him from being on television, but we want him to come on television. And it sets up basically Stone Cold for the rest of the time, which is he can still do the stunner, kind of, and that's what he is going to do. Exactly. And Vince's character becomes, don't do this. I'm liable if you get fucking hurt. Like, fuck you. And Austin going, I don't give a shit what the doctors are saying. Let me wrestle. And then that turns into one of the biggest money feuds in the history of professional Sure wrestling. does. The The moment that Steve Austin stunnered Vince McMahon, was this, it was at Madison Square Garden. It was the same night that Cactus Jack debuted in the WWF is one of the better moments. in like It's one of the better Raws ever. Like It's fucking crazy. I think it says something about me that my main memory is Cactus Jack debut. Of course. The Cactus Jack debut was the best thing ever because you're just like, holy fucking shit. Because, it's, again, it's the first time that they're really acknowledging outside promoting, promoters promotions. I, for me, had never seen Cactus Jack. I'd only heard being like... Yeah, that's a big thing. As a Northern Wrestling fan, you only heard about Cactus Jack. You basically had heard like... Oh, this guy will just do anything. Like he may, he basically can absorb the amount of damage that someone would die from. And then you're like, if Cactus Jack is in WWF, is he just gonna like stab Triple Let me H? Ask you this. <laughs> yeah. Just down, 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 stab, stab, stab. He's bleeding out his kidneys, boys. Cactus Jack has arrived. Have you ever watched Mortal Kombat Conquest? He's the reason Shang Tsung wears that mask. <laughs> He's the one that got Jamie Priestley in the show. Ha ha ha, Sonny. Meow. So basically there is evidence that Austin had had neck injuries previous to this. I think there's really a weird choice for Owen to go ass out on the tombstone. It's a weird decision for them to even do a tombstone in the match because it's the Undertaker's finishing. Jim, well, Jim Ross has made that point a few times as he goes, I was really pissed off at Owen for simply doing the move because he's like, uh, we have the fucking main event and I have that fucking guy in the main event. You like, don't do that, please. Yeah. And it's not like he's like made a gimmick of it where it's like, you're facing my brother. I'm going to show how shitty you're, I'm going to pin your friend with your own move. It's not like Undertaker and Stone Cold were a tag team where it would make sense from that. He just kind of did the tombstone. Because I remember watching that match and being like, is that, is that, is that, it, why does, why is he doing this? I don't know. It's like anytime a small guy would do a power bomb or a power move during the 90s, though, you would always be like, why is this happening? That was the crazy, that was one of the craziest things about watching the Luchadors in WCW is just a girl would power bomb someone and you'd be like, I thought that was only Psycho Sid's move. I, But that was like, obviously, uh, as you'd learn more about wrestling, you'd learn that they were going into business for themselves and they're not professional and that only six foot eight guys should be working. Certainly. <laughs> August, Jim Ross is promoted to senior vice president of Titan Sports. 
And this gives him product, uh, power over con to conduct contract negotiations and makes him the highest non-McMahon member of the company. I'm sure Vince McMahon only did this because it'll be like, oh, it'll be fun when I get you to come back down. Also, this year is probably the final year of what I would like to term uh, rustling Vince McMahon, where he would say, the World Rustling Federation. Like, he never said wrestling. He said rustling. Oh, you're right. No, this is uh, this is the end of <laughs> Vince McMahon and the start of <sighs> yeah. Th you're, that's a great point. Yeah, this it is the end of yeah, yeah and <sighs> where no matter what he would do because he had the same like oh my god what a maneuver by Hulk Hogan like he would have the same announcement announcer candor for that as he would uh, Sonny being like I'm gonna. There's four bananas in here. Whichever one you guys want, I'm going to shove in my ass. And he'd be like, ha, ha, ha. Too late. It only ha, happens ha. in the World Wrestling Federation. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's 98. The lower register is 98. We're still in Vince McMahon cackle era. Like, ha, ha. Like a baby face says something like, well, yeah, will you stink? And he'd be like, ha, ha, ha. Ah, I lost a sense of smell because I put a bunch of fireworks up there trying to impress. <laughs> uh, right now, we should do this. I don't know if either of us remember this, but we need to record a fake comedy special where it's just Vince McMahon laughing and we dub it a bunch oh of times. Oh, my God. Yeah, I would like to do that. Let's just take... So <laughs> just like, uh, and that's what I call a burnt turkey. <laughs> Speaking of turkeys, at one time release one in Shane's room because he did his math homework. Oh, Shane, suck the turkey off. It's a prank. You have to be initiated. And in he probably has that, too. He's like, uh, he, have to, he believes the McMahons are a frat, so you have to be initiated. <laughs> Drink all the drain, old Shane. You're not initiated in the McMahon. Vince yeah. is also against math because he saw the Billy Connolly joke about how people that do math are employees, and he believes that, so he refuses to do math. I would believe. I would honestly believe that. Where he's like, I'm an inventor. I just invented. That would explain something. their profits because Vince McMahon is now in charge of doing math and uh, and like recording profits, and he's just like, we made eleven billion. <laughs> Oh, so Sex Lies and Headlocks, uh, this is from this. Brian Pillman was in such bad shape at this point uh, and so blatant about his behavior that other wrestlers had even beaten him up backstage. This was because Vince apparently had the reputation of let it, he was willing to let weed go, even occasional blow use, but everyone knew if the balance was upset, he'd go back to punishing everything uh, to correct the course. So basically, people are just trying to fucking get Brian Pillman to stop and instead of being like hey you need help they're like how about the DOA just shoves them in a garbage can so basically people are beating up Brian Pillman they're like you gotta stop doing blow all the time so we can do blow sometimes and if you don't we'll kick the shit out of you I do like the idea that rehab is just like, all right, let's go to rehab. How are your feelings? Um, I guess I just really have a chemical dependency because I didn't have a good relationship with your dad. Oh, that's great. Well, a guy who looks like your dad's here to kick your fucking ass. <laughs> Stop 
doing cocaine. <laughs> I just love that that's their solution. It's like, oh, we could send this guy so he actually has a spiritual basis to understand his trauma. He's basically been ha- he's had surgery every year of his life. He's now portraying a crazy person while being an actual crazy person. He doesn't know where the line ends. He's under a lot of stress based on the amount of money his family is costing him and where his career is at. And so we should probably send him somewhere to get counseling. And then the WWF is like, or he could get beaten up by the Harris brothers and learn how to handle his fucking pills. Yeah. October 5th, of course, Brian Pillman passes away. This is the first time a wrestler uh, passes away, and they talk about it on television. Hulk Hogan then, of course, pinned him on his hook. Yeah, yeah. What's great? Yeah, Hulk Hogan then flew to Cincinnati and pinned Brian Pillman. Because... I got my win, brother. Want to know? Yeah. <laughs> and then he was like, right on the coroner's receipt that Hogan did. Yeah, let me tell you, dude. Welcome to Money Nitro, dude. Let me tell you what happened, dude. I'm right, brother. I just, I beat a man to death, dude. You don't touch Bobby Heenan, dude. Yeah, exactly. And then Eric Bischoff promoted it as a WWF versus WCW match, and the WCW guy. What's funny? What, what is funny is that there Look was a WCW house show, and Mean Gene Okerlund immediately offered a, an alibi with a wry smile on his face. <laughs> Welcome everyone to Nitro. Brian Pillman has passed away. He wrestled here in WCW as Flying Brian. Brian and I no way killed him for his pelvis that I mailed to Bobby Heenan as a birthday gift. happy birthday bobby he hurt your neck so i took his fucking spine and now i cleaned it my teeth with it who wants a whiskey not me i don't need to drink when i feel this alive okerland this is crazy how vince handles this too because this is the first time he's dealing with death so direct death honest thank god basically this didn't happen a year or two earlier because it would have been like freshly off of the steroid case and basically proof that vince mcmahon allows his men to be just like walking time bombs but vince does allow the world to understand the fa- uh the fact that uh pillman um basically had his own issues and he invites pillman's <laughs> grieving widow on raw uh, so he can make her tell the world the death is not the WWF's fault. In addition, it would be naive to think money did not change hands over this, basically. Um, he contributed heavily to uh, Pillman's family, McMahon did, because after everything you learned about Vince McMahon, the commentator of Vince McMahon is a lie, and the character of Vince McMahon is the truth. Yeah, but what's crazy is that that truth is also somewhat a lie. Yeah. Basically, what happens is he invites the widow on. She's weeping. She's lost the love of her life. Her wife has lost stability. Her best friend is dead. And the Vince McMahon goes, we didn't do anything, did we? <laughs> and then she goes, oh, uh, I'm just, Brian is gone. He's like, yeah, gone because of you. Yeah, you. You wouldn't fuck him enough. Yeah. Where's that gun? I'm going to use it on you. You did it. Yeah. I'm going to give Brian a bonus. I'm going to kill his wife and send him up to... Oh, my God. This has gotten so dark. <laughs> no, 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 no. Finish your fucking thought, then. Uh, Facebook cut out, and I'm so happy right now. I am so fucking happy. <laughs> it cut out. I couldn't hear whatever Dylan just said. You heard it. I did not. I'm so happy about that. So Brian Pillman's son's done an interview on this. He b- stated that although Vince did was strange, he thought his mother agreeing to appear was worse. 
He has other issues with his mother around neglect, of course, which uh, color that statement, and it's hard to predict what anyone will do after such a catastrophe. However, his comments uh, do bring an angle to the segment few have looked at. I would say this. It is... She's lost... I haven't looked into the fact of what she was doing for work, but she may have lost her entire financial stability based on the fact that Brian Pillman had just passed away. She probably talked to other wrestlers and knew about Vince McMahon and knew that basically this guy feels no way to just like ignore any financial responsibility. And if he does do anything nice, he wants you to tell everybody Cause that's the way it works. Like he doesn't feel like he owes anything to anybody. Cause after all, Brian Pillman is a subcontractor and not an employee. So I would say she probably did it because she was freaked out and thought this, however much money she may or may not have gotten was the last paycheck she'd ever get. And also you can't judge anyone grieving because you don't, it doesn't, I've lost someone like that. And it doesn't really take effect until like three months. You realize what's happened. When you come home and they're not there, that's when you realize what's happened. Because there's no... It's not like immediately you go through all these emotions. It is very much delayed. And it takes years if you ever get over it. So judging someone because they did something after someone's death is silly. And judging Vince McMahon is the right thing to do. He's the one who is thinking logically at that time. Yeah, Vince McMahon was like, oh, good tragedy. That will get us newspaper clippings. I will sue Phil Muchnick for blaming this death on me, even though my former employee, Mean Gene Okerlund, definitely just injected a lot of poison slowly into Brian Pillman's spine to cause him to die because one time Brian Pillman said he was going to hold the door for Gene and he didn't quite hold it up to Gene's standards. So so Gene did what Gene does, baby. They call him mean for a reason. Phil Muchnick being the monstrous piece of shit he is of course writes an editorial saying that they've signed a known steroid user and making it hard to hate jim Cornette. jim Cornette wrote a thousand uh word letter of complaint basically just telling him to suck his dick <laughs> yeah. over and over and over again you can't even fuck my wife how about that you have to fuck me man <sighs> yeah you gotta fuck me loser you gotta fuck me in my diaper yeah ass. i'm not even gonna cl- Bobby Eaton's going to fuck you, too. It's going to be a fuck. Bobby Eaton and me not cleaning the gravy out of our flaps. You're going to have to. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to suck the gravy out of Bobby Heenan's bowl. And I do mean ass and I do mean food. Yeah. And then we're going to have actually. There you go. No, go for it. And then we're going to have actually gravy and then we're going to do it again. (laughs) (laughs) November 9th. Uh, 1997, uh, Molson Center in Montreal, Quebec. What happens? I don't know anything about this that happens. Just over 20,000 people showed up. The buy rate was 250,000 up 50,000 from the year before. Nothing happens. Everything goes smoothly. Bret Hart agrees to lose to Shawn Michaels, uh, with the sharpshooter, which I thought was weird. weird. You know what I mean? He's an old school wrestler, and he wanted to put out the territory. So that's what happened. Just kidding! It's the Montreal Screwjob. Brett was especially obs- uh oh. Got you. Classic prank. Prank war. Prank war. We pranked you. Oh, <laughs> we pranked each other. Also, isn't it fucked up? Like I didn't realize this amount of time it happened. August Stone Cold beats uh, Owen Hart for the title. Where he, yeah, November he's back. Yeah, but he watched the match. He's not really back. They, they, the roster was so thin, and he was so popular. They needed him on shows. 
All of his matches were ba- like he basically is like he's wearing a t-shirt. Don't question it. One move, bunch of other stuff. Shut up. Like that's a that and like I said before, that's a brilliant thing where it's like, uh, hey, what are we gonna do? This guy's out. Do we take him off TV? No, he just beats people up easily. This is when Austin goes into hyperdrive because he becomes the fucking beat the fucking shit out of you, flip you the bird, run away. The pay-per-view man. after this, he just hits the nation of domination with a truck. <laughs> and that's the start of, like, this is where Vince, Vince Russo guaranteed gets more hold because he's writing all these prop shit for Austin to do to keep him out and of the And it ring, works. And it's all working so well. What does anyone remember the most about the late that's 90s? Zam- that fucking, fucking Zamboni, baby. That's the best. Th- that Zamboni, that buddy. fucking Zamboni, baby. Now... The greatest moment in wrestling history is that clothesline off the oh, fucking Zamboni. so good. Tied with maybe the beer truck where he hoses everyone down and then <laughs> and then starts drinking, drinking beer yeah. out of the I'm hose. I'm actually more of a fan of the milk truck, personally. Oh, with Kurt Angle? I mean, him blowing over McMahon and McMahon swimming in the beer trying to get at him is very funny. The, the important thing to remember is the Montreal school job happens, and it only happens... School job. The Montreal school job. That's where uh, Bret Hart snuck into a school and fucked all the <laughs> Yes, <teachers>. he did. <laughs> Hello, everyone. It's uh, PTA night, and it's time for you to meet my school board. It's my hard penis. Hey, uh, I just want you to know, Sean, I'm happy that you married the one Nitro girl that didn't have sex with I did watch her pee, though, Sean. You should know that. I watched her pee. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, seen everyone pee. Yeah, yeah. It's a thing I do. They know about it, and they are all cool with it because of the way I ask. I'm really good at asking. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah Bret Hart's master class and asking a girl to pee you will at the end of this you're gonna you're gonna people are you're gonna see a lot as many people piss as you want anyway so Bret Hart Sean Michael st- st- no 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 we need to cover why Bret doesn't want to lose in Canada here's what it is this is the only recorded wrestling event where Bret's wife is in the attendance and I guarantee Bret is so upset about that that's why he doesn't want to lose the belt that's very because he knows he's not gonna have sex <laughs> yeah that he's night. like I Bret's gotta have something Bret needs a win <laughs> or it's even it's even worse Bret's gonna have to have sex with his wife and he's like I don't like it I don't like it when she says I love you, love is It's alive. hard to cheat on your wife when you're sleeping with your wife, is all I'm saying. <laughs> so what, do I have to wear a wig? Then it's like, I, why don't I just fuck the wig? That's not Yeah, why wife. don't I wear the wig? I can be someone different than she's cheating on me, which is not allowed. That's against our rules. That's against, we're in an open, one-way relationship. I'm My part's open, hers is very Yeah, well, our, part, we're, our relationship is like a tunnel in Calgary. Only I can go in and out of it, and she has to stay on one side of the tunnel because she's dirty. <laughs> Vince McMahon's Montreal Screwjob. We all know the story. If you don't know the story, how the fuck did you find this goddamn podcast? So, Vince McMahon's Montreal Screwjob, I... St- even at the time, think he did the appropriate thing, and I just think he handled it incorrectly, and he's so insane that the really the thing that creates the Mr. McMahon character is his speech where he goes, Brett screwed Brett. If he said nothing and didn't really, or had a different speech like listen i made a tough decision but he genuinely thought he was baby this himself. also shows vince's lack of understanding of the wrestling business in that he is a promoter for many years and he had to be explained about this trick by jim Cornette 
um, again, who actually, who the fuck knows who actually did what? Yeah. Well, originally the Montreal Screwjob. Do you know what it was? Go. It was just, I assume, uh, Brett and Sean meeting two uh, airline, uh, two airline hostesses, and Brett has sex with one of them, and then Sean does so much cocaine, the other woman leaves. And goes to get her friend, and Brett's like, "Would you like to?" And she's like, "No." And then he just buys them both a prime, di- a prime, a prime rib dinner. <laughs> a prime rib dinner is a very '80s '90s thing. Sorry, that's a '90s. It's, just, 90s it's the way a, it's the way a man apologized in '99. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you want ribs? I want prime yeah, I want ribs, prime, ribs yeah. that are fucking in their prime. Yeah, I want a fucking rib that is divisible by only one in itself. So. Very good, very good math joke, John. We've had a science and a math joke. I hope everyone's nice, good at reading now. Yeah, I hope everyone's fucking good at things. I, I, <laughs> I don't know why I have to be good at reading <laughs> to get science, but who cares? We've just dumbed ourselves again. So, no, the real Montreal screw up. This is the original thing. Was that Cornette sets it up a meet where Brett's gonna have sex with his uh, wife, and then it turns out it's Brett's own wife, and then Brett kills himself. <laughs> He was gonna. He was gonna. Oh, how did you do the uh, the movie uh, Asian thing? You mean seppuku? Uh, yeah, that. But with something really dull. I want to feel how wrong I was to have sex with I my think, wife. Yeah, you, you got to make sure that it's not my wife. So I don't want to talk. It's bad. <laughs> but really, in reality, it's not my fucking wife. So the Montreal Screwjob happens. Of course, we all know what happens. Shawn Michaels slaps the sharpshooter on Bret Hart. Vince McMahon calls for the bell. Oh, my God. Bret Hart is fucking pissed. What's going to happen? Here's what's going to happen. Shawn Michaels is going to pretend that he didn't know about the screw job, even though clearly he did. Bret Hart punches out Vince McMahon. That's another great part about Vince McMahon's speech afterwards is that basically he's like i would have knocked brett out which plays right back into vince mcmahon as a young boy just getting in fights by the train tracks where he's like i guaranteed vince mcmahon is like i could beat up this rich kid from freaking canada why i'm a poor kid from a trailer park. i mean it's really good that he also was like i'll let i'll let you do it but he makes that so clear as he's like you get you get one. It's like, well, no, you don't. You get as many as you fucking want, you loser. Shut up. Yeah. The young guy who's in his athletic prime beat up the guy who we've all seen this has no athletic talent. Like, Vin- Vince McMahon is huge. He cannot move. No, he's not. He's not a natural athlete. And he's also way older when yeah. he starts trying to be a natural athlete. Vince McMahon, legit. Reminds me of myself, where he's like a naturally big guy, but no matter how much you work out, he's not coordinated. He's just big. I don't know. Vince, but Vince McMahon's also reminds me of a lot of people I grew up with, where no matter what, if he sees someone smaller than him, like if he, even if they're five, if they're an inch shorter than him, he's still like, well, I'll just fucking choke slam and ruin this guy. And if they're taller than him, he's like, he doesn't have the speed I have, though. Like, he just, he thinks he could beat up anyone. Yeah, and he always has weird excuses. Like, he's like, I would have won, but I let him shoot me eight times first. Yeah, I would have won, but he's just, like, faster and knows how to fight. But if I was faster and knew how to fight, I could Yeah, if I also bitch. knew how to fight, I would have won. <laughs> so... What what's your take on Vince? Was he right? I think he was right to do it still, and he just basically the real mistake he made was that um, whole speech on Raw, which is perfect because Vince gets exactly what he wants, which is he gets a new top heel, even if it is himself, 
And then he gets, above all else, to put Stone Cold Steve Austin, a guy who's mm, far more talented than Brett the Hitman Hart, on the microphone into the place of dealing with him. And it gets an outside-the-box wrestling thing to... Sorry, an outside-the-box thing to promote, which is... On WCW, they're always promoting Hulk Hogan or whoever is the champion in their final match. Now we're promoting whatever happens. Like we're just promoting the thing that happens at the end. It doesn't have to be a match anymore because oh, Austin's hurt. Yeah. And it's always Austin's about to be arrested. Vince is trying to. And the thing about this is, I remember from watching this as a kid, Vince is a sympathetic character at the beginning of this because he's just like, just listen to me. Don't do this. The thing when he really snaps on him is, is not, yeah, WrestleMania when he snaps on him. Tyson. But there's like a long boiling. Feud. But again, when this, he but this is again the brilliance of he's the promoter and he's got wrestling guys running the wrestling because he's got the promoter. He, he's promoting it. He's getting eyes on this, but he's letting the wrestling guys going. Don't we need to end it on a thing that has them come back next week? Not. It needs to build up to a thing every week. Like if you watch now, where it's cl- like all signs point to, it's just Vince McMahon writing things, and Bruce Pritchard's like, "Can I have a sandwich?" No, Bruce. Tub, tub, tub. You, you tubby. <laughs> fatty, fatty eats the air. I enjoy water, bitch. Um, he everything is like, and after the break, we're gonna have a match that Vince tells me is important, and if I don't sell it, he's gonna hurt my kids. Like. Every match is built up to be unnecessarily important because Vince doesn't listen to people. If you look at this time, it's like Austin's the important thing. When is Austin going to show up? What is Austin going to do? Exactly. And you now you're not promoting wrestling anymore. You're promoting what Vince McMahon jacks off to while looking himself in the mirror every day. Just a TV show. You're promoting an action television show. This is no longer explicitly... Dave's going to punch Rick in the back of the head. It's This is a fucking, just a straight-up television show, which is what Vince McMahon has always, always dreamt of. Well, Xena not Warrior Princess, only the exact opposite in terms of the uh, feminist movement. Yeah, feminists do not like this, and Vince McMahon loves the yeah, shit out Zena of Yeah, Xena told haters to go to the left, and the current COVID WWE is saying, come on in, and I hope your name is Roger Stone. this mcmahon becomes the heel owner of the company on screen it's been alluded to the fact that vince mcmahon owns the tv show but vince has never outright stated he does which as a 12 year old at this point dylan gott certainly just skirted over that fact whenever they'd be like oh mcmahon you run this which is basically a lot of what they did in the mid and they started doing the mid 2000s where they would have these insider references for online fans and then it would just go over casual fans heads and they would not really explicitly drive home what's happening it would just be like a wink to the online fan and it works way better when you just if they have an interesting story then just use that immediately which is why something like i mean obviously didn't draw anywhere near as much money edge lita and matt hardy uh that it turned into the rated r superstar which was maybe the best heel i'd say the best heel the john cena ever faced and the the guy who united like obviously cena obviously austin was way better than cena but like you you see what i'm saying like you don't use every story that happens in real life just use the good ones yeah exactly and it's again vince 
Vince remembers certain things that were said at this time, but he doesn't remember the context or why they were said. So it's so you get the last 20 fucking years of wrestling, which is he's like, we got to do real things. Now, someone write a real thing down and then we'll pretend it's real. No. Yeah, it's, it's exactly. It's like you do everything. You don't do one thing. And then this is where Vince, this is certainly the best, maybe the best creative era in wrestling because... It's not like the 80s where they have these good ideas, but they burn them at a rate of like four a year. You have to come up with new storylines for every week. So you're burning through a storyline every month. So you're burning through like... Yeah, and you also have... And you you weirdly also have enough people in the writer's room at this moment in 1997, if you're Vince McMahon, where you are going, okay, we're going to uptick the level of stories we're going to tell. So we're going to need new stories and we're going to need stories for everyone. And that weirdly is Vincent Russo's great fucking talent is he's the first guy that goes, everyone's getting into a feud. Everyone's going to have a reason to be in a feud, all of that sort of stuff. Something that they could really fucking do now. Also something AEW could do as opposed to AEW's move, which is basically like this guy's got a skateboard and the other guy's into emo music and they are not friends. Yeah, AEW right now reminds me a lot of like what I thought would be fucking so cool when I was 21. Which is exactly like the guy who likes metals beating up the guy who likes. Yeah, know, this guy. This guy's wearing denim jacket and trousers, and he's lazy. <laughs> so this is actually perfectly for this podcast. December fifteenth, Vince McMahon gives the speech. Where if you're an old man wrestling fan, you remember. But if you're a new person who, I don't know, enjoy your fucking, what do you call that? Enjoy your dabbing and your unprotected sex with fucking multiple partners who are gender fluid. But this old piece of shit who likes new metal certainly remembers this uh, speech, which basically was saying, hey, it's a very long speech. You can look it up. Uh, December 15th Raw is when it happens, so just YouTube that or put type in the WWE Network. But to summarize, Vince McMahon says, uh, we're not going to have binary characters where it's good and bad. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to be a TV show, much like Days of Our Lives, MTV, talk shows like Jerry Springer. And uh, we're going to show Jugs now. We're going to have two different shows, which I, this is very smart, because they had Raw and The War Zone. And of course, they changed the war zone after September 11th for some the reason. The raw zone, yeah, because they they were like, "Oh, we're gonna be going to an actual war, and we are gonna want to have a character about that." Call it the raw zone, which is so weird because the Vince becomes so much more media savvy in weird ways. Where it's like he would have used the war in the 80s, and then now he's like, "Okay, well, we can't use the." It's so weird to be like, "Yes, we will absolutely flog a man who uh, a flog a man who broke the sanctity of marriage on television, but we will not reference anything in the news because that has burned me before." Essentially, do it until someone gets me in trouble, and then just don't do it. Anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's also this is uh, this yeah. is a time like Vince also learns weird lessons. Like he like, I'll tell you what doesn't sell. Uh, sergeant slaughter having a manager and it's like no that didn't sell because you exploited a bunch of war uh no i remember it (laughs) no that's the whole thing where you just don't say you just don't say what happened there was a great interview where i just listened to a thing today on chael sonnen about how he changed himself from basically just some guy who fought to a one of like the best draws in uh ufc history he went on a talk show and said 
Lance Armstrong purposely gave himself cancer by doing steroids and then uh, started marketing anti-cancer stuff and made $15 million. And then a guy confronted him and said, you said that on radio? And he said, no, I didn't. And then he goes, uh, and then they play him the clip of him saying it. And then he goes, well, that's a Hispanic guy. I don't even know, but I don't know what you just played me. Get your listeners to call in. That's not me. So every listener calls in and says it's him. And then he goes on another show and they reference the interview. And he said, I never did that interview. That was a clone. And people were like, all right. And now Donald Trump's president. <laughs> and he stole, <laughs> he stole it from uh, Chelsea. Well, Donald Simon. Trump Good has been him. doing it his entire life. Donald Trump has actually, he's like built one, basically he's built one building he put his name on some casinos and he built a skating rink. Vince, Donald Trump's very good at going, I did this. And it's like, no, you didn't. And it's the same thing with like him being president. He actually hasn't done anything really. Like He's like, we're going to ban the Muslims. He couldn't actually do that for very long. And that got lifted. We're going to do this. No, he couldn't do Like He doesn't actually know enough to get very far. And Vince McMahon is an interesting version of that. And Vince McMahon is kind of the opposite. And then Vince McMahon's always doing stuff, but he doesn't. He doesn't listen, so the things that he does afterwards are again always really bad. In that they would, they tried to redo the Montreal Screwjob a bunch of times, but he does it like so many times. They've tried to redo the Montreal Screwjob probably twenty times. Yeah, but he doesn't know how to do it because he doesn't realize that it was organic and that that someone else made it. So that's what makes it good. The thing. Much like Austin this year where Austin loses the submission match and uh, the stunner of McMahon we're talking about next year and the screw job is a great example of this. It wasn't immediate. The reason the screw job solidified it's not like he called for the bell and everyone booed. Yeah, no one fucking arena. knew for a long time. Everyone was super confused as to what happened. Yeah. And then he solidified himself as a heel with that explanation, and then people thought about it and were like, yeah, fuck this guy. They start booing him. The fan base gets older and older. Vince, at this point in his life, is smart enough to realize, hey, I got something here. I'll pivot, because if this happened now, for sure Vince would have just taken himself off television and waited out until he was a fucking uh, babyface. Yeah. But again, but Vince only just remembers that this was a good time, so he continually threatens to put himself back on TV or present his kids like this character, but none of it is ever going to fucking work again. This is the most important year of Vince McMahon's career. This is the this proves that he should be better at delegating, that he needs to have he needs to be a figurehead and he needs to stick to being a promoter, and that is not what he does. He focused completely on that character, and we can see the results. The proof is in the pudding. This man is not only one of the best professional wrestlers, or sorry, not one of the best, one of the the best pro wrestling promoter of all time. He is also one of the best professional wrestlers of all time. He is an outstanding heel. He basically is a better Michael P.S. Hayes. He can't work at all. He's worse than Michael P.S. Hayes in the ring. They're just as stiff, <laughs> but he is a fan. He is amazing and absolutely can carry a show in the ring. And if you guys, like I said, want more, you want to see what a natural this guy is just from watching people. Like his hero is Dr. Jerry Graham. And it's so fitting that in the year Dr. Jerry Graham passes away. Vince McMahon becomes an on-screen. Yeah, he's like, well, if Jerry... Jerry was supposed to portray the Mr. McMahon character, but then he died and also was fucking crazy. So he's like, all right, I'll do it for Jerry. <laughs> so that's it. That's uh, Vince McMahon. Oh, I mean, we could do best and worst, but it's been so long. Uh, the best thing for Vince McMahon and the worst thing 
No, I think the best thing for Vince McMahon, everything works out for him this year because the best thing is the Montreal. Yeah, the worst thing is that he doesn't. He learned all the wrong lessons from this year. He learned, I'm really good at creative, and he should have learned, I'm really good at promoting creative people's good ideas. I think the worst thing is Brian Pillman's death and how he handled it because no, but he's learned. But I think he handled that. that well. I think okay, good. I think that is <laughs> force the widow to talk. Get the widow on television. Don't even dry the tears. If you can get it open casket, open casket, no embalming, so you can smell the rot. Even better. Film the eulogy and do a deep fake where you get their head to say, and Vince actually was the one, the reason he lived so long. If you can somehow figure out how to rickroll the funeral, do it. <laughs> oh yeah baby well that's vince mcmahon thanks so much for listening uh we'll be back at 1998 next week 1990 hey you look good booyah booyah Kasha. grandma people don't say that anymore please buy tickets to our show august 29th Ooh. at dorchester country club they're flying off the shelves there's no shelves because it's all online tickets but Buy those tickets if you're in Dorchester, near Dorchester, Ontario, or fuck it. If you're not, who gives a shit? Just buy some fucking, fucking tickets. Buy them, maybe. I got to drive from Toronto with Dylan, and we got to fucking self social distance in the car. Ooh, we're going to have to wear masks in the car like a couple fucking idiots. Yeah. Oh, what a great time. My wife's coming to Toronto and wants to hang out with your wife, and she has specified we are not to be around. Baby, uh, join us on Patreon, patreon.com backslash wrestler review. Go to Instagram and Twitter. We're at wrestler review. You guys are so nice. Please rate us and subscribe. Uh, if you don't want to do any of that, that's okay. Thanks for listening to even this part of the episode. I never fucking listen to the plug part of fucking. It's all, I you only, guys are really I nice. only listen to the first 20 minutes of the Joe Rogan experience where he talks about weird oh yeah on it vague sciences oh you gotta take these pills they're made out of hemp and they actually turn you into a guy that's cool and they're not steroids i'm not on steroids <laughs> uh you could just take direct steroids which are way better but you could take this stuff that has a wisp of steroids in it and get no results joe hey rogan. everyone it's me joe rogan i'm moving to texas and in no way is that a sign that i by going to spotify and predicting my audiences is going to drop off and i also see that most of my friends are gone away from show business and so okay bye <laughs> thanks so much for listening guys you guys are absolutely fantastic uh please tell all your friends or don't you guys are the best thanks so much bye bye